Hmm? Ah. I mean, sure, watching Grey's Anatomy is awesome. <laughs> and watching Scrubs, watching watching House, those are awesome. Uh, but that's TV. That's uh, a lot of it. Is is sure it's it's kind of like real life, but until you're in front of a patient and and debreeding a, a necrotic diabetic foot and getting a whiff of what that smells like, then you just don't know. Podcast Junkies, episode 99. Tonight, we're going to party like it's episode 99. Rest in peace, Prince. Fantastic influence to music. And I never thought I'd have an opportunity to uh, make a reference to him on this show. So feels like episode 99 is the perfect way to do it. In case you missed last week's episode, we spoke to Corey Gr- Corey. Corey Gray, Corey Finneran of Ivy Envy. I don't even know where that name comes from. I don't know a Corey Gray. Sorry, Corey. Uh, <laughs> Ivy Envy, the Cubs podcast. It was a fascinating insight into someone who's normally pretty reserved and quiet. And unbeknownst to me, he, he has a really good sense of humor. And uh, we had a lot of laughs. So check that out. He's also the host of uh, Podcasters Group Therapy, which you might have heard him on. So that's episode 98. So this week, the call goes out to the doctor, Mr. Ryan Gray, and he's been podcasting s- since 2012, and he's got the pre-med podcast, and he does a, a, just a bang-up job, not only because he's a great podcaster, but he's very smart. He's, uh, from my opinion, well-read, well-spoken. Um, he is a bit of an introvert, but it's interesting uh, with all that he's accomplished with his podcast, that you would expect him to be an introvert when you meet him. But I think it's just a function of him feeling comfortable in his element. Um, it's interesting. I have this question about uh, something that people uh, misunderstand about him. So you'll be interested to hear his answer. I got a good laugh out of it. But we had a great conversation covering everything from his 1992 Camaro to his time in the Air Force and this idea of uh, collaborating and not competing, which really caught my ear. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. We are well on our road, well on our way to episode 100. But in the meantime, enjoy a conversation with a really interesting podcaster who seems to be doing everything right and really understands uh, the business and the craft of podcasting, Ryan Gray. So, Ryan Gray, thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Harry, it's my pleasure. I feel like this is a long time coming. We keep bumping into each other virtually and blabs and chats and Facebooks and Facebook Lives. And I can't keep track of all the different ways we can communicate. Now. I know. There's, there's a new one coming every day. I saw a new, like a blab replacement because blab's kind of giving up on us as podcasters. And so I saw... Somebody testing out a, a blab replacement yesterday on Facebook, which was awesome. Looks awesome. What was it called? I I don't know off the top of my head. It was Joel Com doing it, testing it. So if you go to Joel Com's page, you can probably find it. But it was it had six boxes and it was okay. sixteen by nine. It wasn't square, nice. so it, it looked very good and had the chat box on the side, just like Blab. Well, it seems like Blab did the groundwork for podcasters to see that that's a new medium for them because I think it was. It was touted as like Google Hangouts, but very you know, like so much easier to use and then friendly for podcasting. And then th- there was little quirks about it that podcasters didn't like. So I think if anyone, someone could, like you said, the 16 by 9, add more people, then you might actually have something and, and have an immediate audience with podcasters. I think so. Yeah, I think they, they, they definitely showed us podcasters options and what, what could be possible in a different format. Did you uh, invest a lot of time in it or were you just more of a consumer when it comes to Blab? I did a couple Blabs with my community and they seemed to enjoy it. I recorded one and released it as a podcast and I, I think they loved being a part of it and, and getting involved. Uh, I, I, the technology wasn't hard, so I don't think that's a huge barrier. It's just a matter of um, letting them know it's there. I think that was the biggest complaint was like, oh, I didn't know you were doing this. Why? Can you let us know ahead of time? 
so, but it, it was fun. Uh, my biggest problem that I had with Blab, again, doing it for a podcast, I want to limit who's there. And with Blab, because at least when I was testing it, I, I couldn't make anything private. Yeah. I would have random people coming in from all over the world that just wanted to practice their English. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and as, as, uh, as the host and person who's letting people in, there's a lot of things that you're, you're trying to juggle and, and to, to screen people coming in was just one extra step that you would have to do. And it's just a lot of work. I think, uh, new media show, Todd Cochran and, um, Rob Greenlee were using it for their show. And I think, they were able to control people because they were saying, what's your podcast? And like, or, or say something, I don't know, what's the password? I guess. <laughs> in order to get in, because I think initially they would just have people coming on and just trolling the board. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Did you have anyone trolling your board? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like literally somebody come in. Yeah, I am I'm in Kazakhstan and I want to learn English. <laughs> I was like, oh, get them off my yeah. seat. <laughs> Did you, are, so are you a proponent of, trying out new platforms as the, as the, are you like an early adopter or are you just wait and see attitude? I, I, I don't know. I am a huge early adopter with technology, like gizmos and gadgets. Uh, I, I troll Kickstarter all the time and I've wasted way too much money on there, but stuff like blab, I, I, I came to blab a little bit later, I think than most. Um, I think I was a little bit ahead of time with with Facebook Live once they let you do it inside of groups and yeah. on your pages because with my community I don't I don't friend people in my community so I didn't want to go live on my my own news feed or whatever Facebook calls it uh, my feed um, so in those respects no like I haven't jumped into Clamor I haven't jumped into any of those other audio on demand things. Do uh you said that you, you did start doing Facebook Live. Do you feel like there's a certain aspect to recording yourself live as opposed to a podcast where you can kind of put some thought into what you want to say and, and even edit it after the fact? I, I think they're two different things. So I am not stopping my podcasting. Uh, when I do, I've done one recording live on Facebook Live uh, with my wife who, who often sits, sits in uh, on a podcast with me. So we did a a Facebook live together recording, but we didn't interact with the comments when we're recording. Okay. Um, so I, I really think they're different when I do a, a true Facebook live, I'm sitting there waiting for comments and talking until somebody starts interacting <laughs> with me sitting there picking my nose, like, please come on. Um, so I, it, they're two totally different things. I use them for t- two totally different reasons. Have you seen, uh, I saw something recently about best practices and I think, uh, you know, put it, um, descriptive title in you know that you're about to go live and that you're going to talk about a specific topic. Talk for at least five to ten minutes to give people time to join because the worst is a Facebook Live where you jump on and it's over in like thirty seconds or a minute. And you're like, why even bother telling people you're going to go live? Yeah, I, I don't understand. So I I see live. I I like you, what you just said. You you come on and and give a topic about maybe or a title about what you're going to talk about for a little bit and then. And some Q&A at the end of that uh, to allow people time to come on. I don't understand the like 30 second updates for Facebook Live. It it works for Snapchat. It works for, I don't even know the other ones. So Snapchat's really the only one that I know. I mean, Vine and, and Periscope and all those. I still wouldn't consider those ones quick 20, 30 seconds. Hey, this cool thing just happened. I just want to let you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that as a valid reason to use Facebook Live, but to each their own. I, I see Facebook Live as a way to interact with my community. And when you do a short little 20, 30 second status update as a Facebook Live, sure, it's video and, and it's cool, it's interactive. But as, as somebody who's producing content, I don't, see the, I don't see that as a valid content creation strategy. So as you, as you got started, um, do you remember, uh, has, has, was podcast like your big four, like your first uh, dipping your toe in the water of like technology for communicating with an audience? Well, the, my website was my first. Okay. And so starting off with written content, and then I quickly realized that I didn't like to write. <laughs> and, uh, and it's harder. And I liked communicating better. And I consider myself an introvert. I, 
I don't like talking a lot, but for some reason you stick a microphone in front of me and, and I have something to say, I'll talk forever about it. And so I, I love the medium. I enjoyed listening to podcasts before I started podcasting. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a shot. So yeah, it, it was one of the first, obviously, besides the blog. Uh, and you you mentioned in uh, a conversation we had uh, a couple of weeks ago about how you were inspired by uh, Pat Flynn. Who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you if you if you took a snapshot of every blogger, podcaster, YouTuber, and maybe maybe YouTube's a separate thing. But but blogger and podcaster, entrepreneurial blogger and podcaster, I would say that that at least fifty percent of their entrepreneurial online genetic makeup is is from Pat Flynn. He's he's their father. <laughs> that that that's a that's a big number. Yeah yeah he's he has a lot of illegitimate children running around <laughs> that he doesn't know about. That's already the tweetable of this episode. <laughs> So, uh, well, it's funny because anyone who's been listening for um, a while knows all the different things he's tried um, and ha- how he talks about the um, the security the security HQ site, which mm-hmm. probably is reflected in the, the name of your website. Yeah, medicalschoolhq.net. I'm like, security guard training HQ? Sure, I can do that too. And that was the goal. It's like, it, it, I'm a physician. I don't need to make money online, but... <laughs> I, there's this easy thing that I can do and just put up a website and rake in $1,500 a month in, in Google AdSense. I'll do it. Sure. <laughs> Is there in the in the Venn diagram of like medical folks who are in medical school and, and online entrepreneurs like... How, how how big of a crossover is there? Because I imagine I don't know how many folks that you you know went to school with have an equal interest in in what you had in terms of learning like how to how to get online and, and possibly make money online. I think it's small. I there are a handful, maybe twenty or thirty other medical podcasts that I know about. Uh, so I, I I think it's unusual. But I, I think that goes with the territory of of being a physician. It's it's a huge undertaking and a calling that most people go through medical school, go through their their specialty training, and then they go out and work. That's what they've wanted to do. And for me, I've always been a creator. Uh, in high school, it was in high school. I wanted to start a like an eBay wholesale business, <laughs> so. I found a place to wholesale. My my first thing and my last one was uh, <laughs> at, uh, JBL speakers, like huge tower speakers. Oh, yeah, yeah, like the worst things to ship in the world. <laughs> and 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 somebody from Spain brought uh, bought them off of eBay. And of course, I didn't know anything about uh, customs and paying all of that stuff. And so I got royally screwed. <laughs> and that was the last thing I did there. Um, and during medical school, I, I, I'm a self-taught computer programmer. And so during medical school, I wrote computer software to turn, you remember, uh, AOL instant messenger, yeah. like aim and, and all of those other, uh, chat software that, that we used to use before Facebook and, and other, um, Slack and other things. Uh, I wanted to use a new one, again, being an early adopter of this new uh, software that was out there. But I wanted all my history logs to come with me from, from AIM into this new software. And so I wrote a piece of software that would convert all my old logs into um, whatever format the new software was using. Was it and something, was it ICQ? So ICQ was one of them. Uh, Digsby was the one that I started I using. I remember Digsby. Uh, oh, yeah. wow. I hadn't, and, <laughs> hadn't thought of Digsby in years. Yeah. Yeah, because Digsby was cross-platform. Digsby was cross-platform. Yes, that's yeah. right. Wow. Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I, it, it was uh, logconverter.com. I, I think the site's down now. Um, but I wrote the software and I put it out there for free. And then people started coming to me like, hey, I use this software. Can you do the same thing? And so I wrote plugins for it. And, and I think it supported like 19 or 20 different pieces of software. Wow. And I ended up selling it to another company that did other things in the chat, um, the chat world. And they folded like a year or two later. Um, so I, I've always been one to build and tinker and, 
And so this is just the next progression of that. Is it safe to say that that wasn't a, a million dollar sale? It was not. <laughs> it was. It was a thousand. I, I became a thousand day very very quickly overnight. <laughs> overnight. Yeah. I mean, it's. A th- I, I think I made like fifteen hundred bucks on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's funny is that you said um, during medical school, medical school, like in your spare time, like that seems like I, I don't yeah. know that most medical students would think that they have a lot of spare time. <laughs> yeah, it is poor decision making on my part, but it's just the, my makeup. I. I would, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time now, who's now my wife, I would tuck her into bed and then stay up until like six o'clock, six o'clock in the morning working on software. Um, well, I mean, yeah. it's, it, those AOL days were pretty exciting. I mean, I remember I was, uh, I think up at my parents' house and, and all they had was AOL, but it was literally like AOL was the only gateway to the internet. And I was, and the page loads were like ridiculous, like bar by bar, <laughs> like for every image. Yeah. And I somehow, I remember one night stumbled into this site about like Egyptian hieroglyphics. And I was literally on there for like three or four hours. And it was took me forever to read all the pages. But I was just like fascinated that I had this connection to like a library of information that yeah. in the past, I'd have to go to a, a, a physical library to do that. But it was just a, a, like a peek into what's possible. And now it's just yeah. a crazy rabbit hole. AOL chat room, right? <laughs> a- ASL, right? Yeah, yeah, a- yeah. A- sex uh, location. <laughs> AOL still around, right? I think so. Yeah, I think I see occasionally AOL emails. So um, are you an audiophile for deciding no. on JBL speakers? No, no. no I, I, I think uh, as a high school student, uh, I was. I had a, a 1992 Camaro RS. Um, I, I lived in Florida at the time, so it was a very Florida car. And I, I had a, a subwoofer enclosure built into the, the back. If people, people picture this car, the, the trunk, so it had the hatch that opened up, the big piece of glass that opened up. And then the trunk was weird. It had this huge kind of divot. It, it, I don't even know what to call it, but it, it was just awkward. But it was a perfect spot to build a box for a subwoofer. And so in those days, yeah, I was that cool teenage boy that well, was well, cranking then, tunes in uh was this high school oh yeah so i mean in high school like everything revolves around your, your like your ride and your <laughs> and your and, and the boom box you can set up inside do you remember a magazine called crutchfields uh yes so, so crutchfield was the like magazine for all this like mm-hmm. audiophile stuff all and the I, toys yeah all the toys and i remember they had all the the setups for some stuff you could put in your auto too but i think I remember at one point I had a fascination with a Monte Carlo SS. Thank God I never I never bought one because <laughs> it's like it would have been the biggest mistake ever. It wouldn't have been, yeah it would have been like some used Monte Carlo SS. But I don't know if it was like a, I think a nine month period. And I was like ah, I want that car. Pure Guido mobile too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> nothing against Guidos, but I grew up in uh, like in just outside New York City. So uh, yeah, big big influence on on the East Coast. Um, did you have a, so you had like basically smoking the bandit mobile? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a smoking the bandit mobile, but yeah, <laughs> a couple of years later. And, uh, so did the, did the subwoofer work? Did it, did you get chicks? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Look at me for, for all of you listening. <laughs> Just picture me. <laughs> yes. Pure specimen of Adonis, Ad, 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 Adonis hood. Yeah, no, uh, it, it worked well enough. Very good. And so, but it seems like you, uh, is there a, a, a tinkering nature to you? Like always, you know, uh, yeah. trying new things or testing yeah. new things out? F- fix it until it's broken. Yeah. That's my motto. Uh, I don't understand the, the, the hesitation from, from the older generations of not wanting to click a button or press, do something because they're afraid it's going to break. I, yeah. like, I want to break it. Let me, <laughs> let me try to break it. So then I learn how to fix it. Uh, I think that's why I like uh, software development too. Uh, I love beta testing other people's software because I'm <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll break it for you. That's I'll figure funny. out where the bugs are. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a tinker. I, I grew up my my um, my stepdad, my dad were both into cars, building cars. Uh, so I grew up around fixing things and building things. Yeah, I definitely can appreciate a little bit of that because um, growing up, my dad's like, you're gonna change the brakes on your car. You're gonna change the oil. I'm like, what? And so we'd get the car up on the on the mounts, and he's like, okay, this is how you change the oil, and this is how. And I'm like, 
do you know that if I don't do this right, I could possibly die in this vehicle? <laughs> He's like, well, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Like shocks, brakes, like all that stuff. I mean, I, I totally appreciate it. Obviously, I don't do any of that now because um, yeah. just we don't have this the space. But I mean, in a pinch, you know, even simple stuff like people get freaked out with changing tires, you know? Yeah. But so what's the earliest thing you tinkered around with that you can remember? Oh, man. Um I don't. I don't know if I. Can, I have a terrible memory for most things. My, my wife says I need to keep a scrapbook of my life so I can remember things. Um, uh, Evernote. I, I think. Yeah, that's. A, um, I, I really think the, the biggest things that I that I used to tinker with was building computers, and oh, yeah. and so I mean I I grew up in the the age where we had our our Pentium two two sixty six processors, and so lots of custom computers and building things then. Um, and so my, my wife loves telling a story in medical school, uh, our first year of medical school, we lived in dorms on campus and she lived in one dorm. I lived in another. And there was a night where she wanted to, to stay over. Um, and I'm sorry for, for all of you that, 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 that don't believe in, uh, <laughs> living together pre-marriage, but, but she would stay over sometimes. And there was one time where I was busy building a home theater computer. And I had computer parts just all over my bed and, and I was building it. And it's like, nope, you can't stay over tonight. <laughs> my mistress, the computer is here. Yeah, that's what priority, uh, priorities are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, is that the one you're most proud of the, in terms of computers? I love building computers. Yeah, well, my, my most proud, the one that I brag about all the time is, again, during medical school, uh, to go along with my home theater computer, I needed a place to store movies, right? And of course, all legally downloaded and ripped course, movies. Uh, I would never do it any other way. <laughs> but <laughs> I built a, <laughs> I don't know if I was overcompensating for something. I built a 13 terabyte server Whoa. That, uh, that would live in our closet to, uh, to house all the movies and stuff that it would stream to the, the home theater computer. Is that still up and running? No, no, I, I got over that very quickly. Uh, I, you, you know, I moved with it once and the thing weighed like 100 pounds. Jeez. And uh, I think I was done with it then. Uh, I, as technology has evolved, uh, I've learned to use better, cheaper things. And so I use an Apple TV now yeah. with a, a computer that, that stores movies and I use Plex to, to stream it all. So okay. things have become easier and I've gotten rid of the other well, it's getting, it's getting so much easier to keep stuff in a cloud nowadays that I think that's where we're moving towards that. You know, I, I mean, the biggest, I have a two terabyte, but even now I think I have um, as a folder, my Dropbox folder as a default. So automatically, like everything on my laptop is going to my Dropbox. I have the premium, you know, the $99 one. So if I ever lose my laptop, I, I really don't care. I mean, it's, it's all there. So uh, my friend just had his stolen like a, a couple of years ago and he's a DJ and he had all this music on. I'm like, did you not have it backed up? He's like, no. I was like, well, and I think everything's, cl- I mean, Gmail is cloud-based. There's so much now that, you know, you could literally, I've, I've restarted, you know, when they, um, Mac has the new OS, I just do a clean install because I can literally have it back up and running in about an hour and I'll have everything back uh, yeah. on my computer. So yeah, it's awesome. And did you remember shuttle, shuttle PCs, the little microform mini ones? Yes. Those are my favorites. I had I think I still have one in my basement that I haven't opened in like three years. I have no idea what I'll do with it. And the longer I wait, the older it gets. And it's like literally like I can't even use it as like a streaming TV or something. So I just have to give it away. One day you'll auction it off at Christie's auction house for like three dollars. <laughs> you know what's funny? There was uh, I don't know if into uh musical instruments, but there's something called the Moog, which is the uh, synthesizer. And there was a period when it became like it was hot and then it was not popular anymore. And they were like in the trash bins and then they went through back through another wave. And now they cost like $10,000. Wow. Like if you literally would have picked it out of the trash bin, you know, and just held on to it for like three or four years, you'd have like, that's your retirement plan right there. So <laughs> I don't know where you're retiring for $10,000. <laughs> it's a secret place. <laughs> the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, so that's interesting. So you have, it seems like you've always had a variety of interests um, outside of uh, medicine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think to, in today's day and age, to survive being a physician, you have to. You have to have uh, interests outside of medicine to keep sane. Right, so can you elaborate on that? 
medicine. So as a physician, we're taught and, and leading up to becoming a physician, we're taught that we need to put others before ourselves. That, that others, other people's needs are more important than ours. And that has led to physician suicide becoming an issue. Physician burnout is a big issue. Um, and I, I think too many people take that advice too literal. And so they, they go to work, they work 12, 14 hours, and then they come home and they go to sleep and repeat. And they don't take time to exercise or eat right or, or go on vacation and hang out with family. And so I think there, there are a lot of issues with physicians that are, that are burning out because they're not, they don't have passions outside of, of medicine. Was there a moment uh, during either your education or once you started practicing that you had one of those moments where you, you felt like there was, a, there was as close as you can get to a breakdown? No, because I've always been good about having, having other interests outside of medicine. Um. And, and do you have uh, friends that were in medicine where you, you saw that happen? It's almost like, I, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't know if I have any like close friends that I've, that I've talked to that have had issues, but it's just so pervasive among the, the medical community uh, listening. And, and I, I don't agree with some of it. I, I actually wrote an article recently for a website that I contribute to, uh, a medical website, about physician burnout. And I basically said, look, it's, it's not, it's not a physician thing. It's a, it's a culture thing. If, if you look at surveys among U S workers, 65% of them are unhappy with their job, which kind of matches the physician burnout rate mm -hmm. as well. And so I, I don't, I don't think it's very specific to medicine, but what's unique to medicine again is, is that we're supposed to be the ones taking care of other people. And, and we find it a failure when all of a sudden we're not happy ourselves or now we're depressed. And, and do we seek treatment or do we hide it because we're physicians and we're not supposed to feel this way? Yeah, that's interesting. And it's one of the things that I find really strange sometimes is to see physicians who are like out of shape or just, you can tell that they're like, come across as being depressed or not in a good mood and and it's hard for for them to be the the people providing guidance um if i, I think if the, if they don't have their their lives together and, and i imagine there's got to be a lot of stress um and there's a lot of and maybe a lot of thoughts about bills that need to get paid and loans that need to get paid and long hours and so that i imagine that the culmination of all those things probably doesn't make for a healthy work work environment so i think um that's i imagine that's what something you had in the back of your mind that you didn't want to be like one of those physicians yeah exactly it, it's hard being a physician it's it's a lot of mental energy going towards supporting other people helping other people uh, obviously in, in some of their most vulnerable moments. So emotionally, it's very draining. And there are a lot of changes in healthcare, but that, that, that require more work out of physicians and electronic medical record systems are miserable for the most part. Yeah. And so they're, they're hard to work with. And, but, you know, change, change has always been there and always will be there. And, and those that can adapt to it um, in a positive way, survive and those that don't will will crumble yeah it's one of those systems where there's some there's some aspects of it that are so an antiquated that you just like scratch your head like I, I literally had to go to two doctor's offices in one day and each one gave me a clipboard with like 10 pages of paper on you know literally like the old-fashioned like here fill this out <laughs> yeah and i'm like i'm sitting there for like 15 minutes and, and just it was uh compounded because i went to the next doctors and they give me like the same forms i'm like come on, man, there's got to be a better way to do this stuff. Yeah. And if, if the first doctor's office wanted to send the forms to the second doctor's yeah. office, it's done through a fax. And it's very easy to spot physicians out in the, in the wild because they're wearing pagers. Uh, so it's very, it's very unique still. Um, so when did you, when was the, the, you had the inkling in your mind about, you know, taking all the experience you've had in pre-med and, and then getting on a, on a microphone and, and starting a podcast about it. Um, 
it started, so I graduated medical school in 2009 and I went through the Air Force. The Air Force paid for my medical school. So I did a year of training after medical school. Again, very unique to medicine is once you graduate school, you still can't work. You need more training. Um, and in 2010, I started my active duty commitment to the Air Force. And it was then that I started having conversations with students, or not students, but, but young airmen, 18, 19-year-old kids that were interested in becoming physicians. And they said, what, what's it like to go to medical school or what do you have to do? What are the steps? And I'd realized that I would, I would sit down and talk to them for an hour and a half, two hours. And I liked talking about it. Hmm. And I, I think it was a couple of years later or within that year listening to... And, and again, I don't know... I don't know how I stumbled into podcasts. I don't know how I stumbled listening to Internet Business Mastery was the kind of thing, I, from what I remember, the first business podcast that I was listening to, which led me to Pat Flynn. Yeah. So I guess if we're calling Pat Flynn the, the dad of 50% of people out here, then, then the Internet Business Mastery guys are the, the grandfathers. Um, and so listening to Pat Flynn, it's like, oh, I can have this website. And again, it's, that's really how it started. It's like, I can have this website. I, I want to put out good information. Uh, the, the largest website that students go to for information to get into medical school is a very cutthroat site. Uh, it's a form. So lots of anonymity and people will say lots of hurtful things when they're yeah. anonymous. And so I wanted to take information and put it out there for students um, away from that other site. And so I did that March of 2012. I started that and then realizing that I didn't like the written content that I liked talking more into a podcast. Um, I started the podcast November of 2012. So did you have an idea about, about the format or obviously, you know, we, we keep mentioning Pat, were you using his show as a model? Uh, and did you think about frequency? Did you think about, uh, length of the show? Did you think about, you know, segments, if any, that you were going to organize the content into? No, I just just started talking. The first couple episodes were solo episodes where I just had some ideas for content. And actually, my first episode um, is kind of an intro episode all about me. And I read it. I was that, I was that <laughs> nervous. I, I had a friend who's like, were you reading that? I was like, yes, I was. Um, but I put it out there and I started... So I, did, I didn't have any grand plans. I didn't have a huge content calendar created. I still don't. Uh, I just, um, I have just reached out to people that I thought would be interesting to bring on the show, have an interesting story to tell, are experts in some aspect of, of the process. And I just reach out to them. And I think if you look over all my episodes, the average is about 38, 39 minutes, but I don't have any specific segments or time lengths or anything well I, I imagine part of it is in your nature to just what you say just uh press the button and see if it breaks <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> and fix then, it until it's broken yeah yeah and then well the other and then the other is this aspect that we hear a lot in this community of just just getting started right there's never going to be a perfect moment you should have started probably six months ago and you hear people that have the first three episodes already sitting on their computer for a year. Oh, I did that. <laughs> yeah. I, I had three episodes published, uh, not published, but recorded uh, on my blue Yeti microphone. Right. And, uh, and I never released them. And then I finally had a coach who was like, what are you waiting for? Like, um, <laughs> the a Heil PR 40. I need a Heil PR 40. Obviously Cliff Ravenscraft uses a Heil. I need one too. Uh, so I bought my Heil and then I released my episodes. <laughs> there you go. Well, that that was like your uh, your impetus. You're like, because after the Heil, you can't make any more excuses. Right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I need some Sony headphones. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. So um. So as you as you ro started rolling those out and you started reaching out to folks for conversations, um, one of the other skills that you need to work on if you're new to this is interviewing. And so oh, we're, we're supposed to be good at that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> or just wing it. Well, oh, I, you know, what's so funny is that the best interviewers sound incredibly natural and they don't sound like they're just following a certain script. So I'm wondering how you've, um, matured, you know, since you started in, in terms of how you, how you handle your interviews. It's something that I've grown 
into. Uh, obviously, starting off, it's hard. I, I wonder, and it's weird, this just came to me as I'm, I was trying to think of an answer for you, but I wonder how much being a physician has helped because as a physician, we're interviewing patients all the time. Yeah. And so we're, we're asking questions, we're listening and, and formulating our next questions. But to begin with, I would have um, show prep done with questions that I want to ask. And I did that probably for a year or so. And that's morphed into not really doing any research into the, the people that I have on the show, other than the research that made me interested in them to begin with. So now I, I have a conversation with them. And I literally put on my, my pre-med shoes because I've been there, I've done that. And that's who my audience is. So my, my audience are, are people that want to go to medical school for the most part. And I ask questions as if I'm my audience member. Hmm. And that's how I let the conversations go. That's how I, I'll do a, a brief before we interview and the, the people are asking me, what questions are you going to ask? Or, or what, how am I going to know if, if I'm going off on a tangent? I'm like, if you go off on a tangent, it's probably for a good reason. And it's probably going to be interesting. And so very rarely do I have to cut people off and be like, okay, let's, we're going a little bit too far off into the weeds here. Um, so it's, it's, it's become something that I'm more comfortable doing because I know that my audience, uh, from feedback, my audience enjoys that type of conversation. Have you had conversations that where, where you're in the course of the interview, interview and you feel like, you know, there's somewhere you feel like you're, like you're in a moment or you're in a zone or, or you're getting the, the, the guest to reveal something that is a result of how comfortable you're making them feel on, on, the, on the podcast. I don't know if I've ever had those kind of moments. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the kind of information that I'm ever going for. So I don't, I don't think I've had those moments. I've definitely had moments where I'm just like, please just say something. <laughs> <laughs> like, why don't you answer my question? Why are you making this so hard? Uh, I definitely have those moments. Uh, not recently, thank, thank God. But um, do you think yeah, I, I've, I've never had a moment where I'm just like, I, I need a box of tissues. This guest is <laughs> just telling everything amazingly. Well, I imagine what happens is over time, you start to see a pattern and a consistency in the guests and, and like, you know, obviously the questions they ask, the challenges they face. And, and I think over time, you start to understand what questions you can ask. Because at the end of the day, would you say that people who are, who are, who are on this path um, have the same general sort of questions and challenges? Uh, yes, they have the same sort of questions same sort of challenges, um, but there's a lot of uniqueness to each of the people that I bring on. Uh, I've, I've talked to somebody who was oh, one of my earlier guests. She was, I think, 53 in medical school, wow. started medical school very late and had her reasons why. Um, I've talked to former military members that, that in their prior undergrad career, um, just were abysmal students and had tons of failure grades and lots of withdrawals from classes and, and what they did to fight back and, and get an acceptance to medical school. So lots of awesome stories. And, and that's really what I try to draw out of people. And so as the show has grown, obviously you started to receive accolades. The show's been nominated twice? Nominated twice, yeah, for uh, Top Science and Medicine podcast for Academy of Podcasters. Do you remember what that feeling was like when you first heard that? Um, excitement. Uh, I, I've, I haven't done this to win awards, um, but to be able to say that I'm an award-nominated podcast is pretty awesome. Uh, I think it'd be even better to say that I'm an award-winning <laughs> podcast, um, but only the judges will, will anoint me with that title. But um, it's, it's awesome. It's a great feat. It's not something that I was looking for when I started my, my job has been and, and will be helping students through the process. And so uh, what's been the biggest surprise to you? Because as you were, because there was, there was a shift where you moved from being a podcast consumer to actually part of the podcasting community to now, you know, you're moving into 
veteran or elder statesman <laughs> role, maybe, <laughs> you know, you're nominated. So there's people now that are not only coming to you for pre-med advice, they're coming to you for podcasting advice. Yeah, I, 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 I love talking about podcasting. I, I think I've tried to talk everybody that I know into <laughs> starting a podcast. My, my mother-in-law just retired from her job and I'm like, you need a podcast. My, my neighbor two doors down does a lot of fitness instruction and, and just did a retreat to Mexico where a bunch of women came and they, they sing Kumbaya or whatever they do. And I'm like, you need a podcast. And so I'm like, come over, use my studio, my, my, my studio. It's a, a room in my basement that, <laughs> that I set up shopping. Um, use my equipment, start a podcast. If you like it, great. I'll, I'll show you what you can buy. But it's such a, a unique medium and I, I love doing it. And uh, again, being an introvert, it's, it's strange for me uh, because when I go to conferences and things and, and talk to people, I'm just, I'm so wiped at the end of the day. Um, but here, I think there's this, this barrier because somebody's not physically in front of me, talking to me, sucking the energy out of me <laughs> that I, I think it helps as an introvert to, to podcast, but it's, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I have no idea where where that question was was or where I was going, but so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a horrible uh, medical slash podcasting. Thing. So <laughs> so it's safe to say you have good pod side manner. I have good pod side <laughs> manner. Yeah, I love that. I do. I, I think I do. Yeah. I mean, so I've been doing it for over three and a half years now. I think this week I release uh, as we're recording this. I I, I get to release episode one eighty eight. And that's 188 episodes once a week for 188 weeks. I haven't missed a week yet. It's a big deal. Yeah. Well, especially with this idea of being consistent, um, staying motivated, and looking for ways to continue to inspire and maybe even be inspired by your listeners. Because I imagine at some point, as your show gets more popular, now not only is it the guests that you interact with, but it's the listeners too, right? Yeah, all three of them. I and mean, they're a great, <laughs> great bunch of listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I have a, so I have a, a private Facebook group, a closed group that people have to request to join. And that's up over 1600 members now. It's super active, tons of conversations going on. I've taken a, a field, I'll call it a field, but a, a path uh, being pre-med very cutthroat, very competitive. There are about, I think last I looked, 60,000 students that apply to medical school every year, somewhere around there. Wow. And 20-ish thousand, 25,000, 26,000 that get in. So students think that they have to be competitive among their classmates. They have to do whatever they can to gain an advantage ahead of their classmates, whether that's withholding information from them or giving them false information on purpose. And the, the motto of my podcast has always been collaboration, not competition. Hmm. If, if you are meant to have a seat in medical school, if your grades are good enough, if your test scores are good enough, if you've proven to me that you want to be a physician, that you know what it's like, that you're willing to put in the work, then you'll get into medical school. There are plenty of people applying that don't have good grades, that don't have good test scores, that are only doing it because their their mom or dad wants them to. Um, and, and those ones are easy to weed out. So it's, it's, um, it's hard to come up with content on a weekly basis. There's definitely been times I, I release on Wednesdays and there's definitely been times Tuesday night at like 10 o'clock at night where I'm like, honey, my wife's a, a physician as well. I'm like, I don't have a podcast for tomorrow. You want to you wanna come record something with me? I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but uh, thank God people email in questions. And so a lot of our last minute podcasts are, are Q&A episodes. Sounds like you should have like a, uh, a jar of random ideas and just for just such an emergency and just put like a hundred words in there. And then eventually, you know, when you get to those times when you don't know what you're going to do, you're like, all right, we're at that point. And you just do it on the, <laughs> do it on the air. And like today we're going to talk about pic yeah. pickles. All right. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pickles and medicine. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure you could tie those in together. I was wondering when you were uh, talking about parents and the, you know, it's a, it's a big, deal in certain communities. And I'm wondering if you notice that 
with certain communities, there's a trend towards the parents really pushing the child to study medicine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and those are the students that aren't happy, uh, are probably the, the worst uh, out of the bunch because they're not doing it because they want to. And to sacrifice four years of your undergrad, four years of medical school, at least three years of residency to come out into a career where you have to work hard. You get compensated well, but you have to work hard. And you're, again, being in, in an environment where you're taking care of people in some of their most vulnerable moments. Maybe you don't like to be around sick people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you either do or you don't. And a lot of people don't. And that's why it's important to go out and get some experience to, to make sure you like being around sick people. I mean, sure, watching Grey's Anatomy is awesome. <laughs> and watching Scrubs, watching, watching House, those are awesome. Uh, but that's TV. That's, uh, a lot of it is, is sure, it's, it's kind of like real life. But until you're in front of a patient and, and debreeding a, a necrotic diabetic foot and getting a whiff of what that smells like, then you just don't know. That sounds uh, so intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering, uh, having done this for now close close to four years, or have you hit the four year mark? Uh, November of 2016 will okay. be four years. So there's got to be some success stories now to people that started listening or engaged with you early on that have finished their medical school, medical school. I am to a point where a lot of my early listeners are probably in their third year of medical school. Okay. So yeah, tons of, I get, I get a lot of emails, which is awesome. I actually, my last week's episode was a Canadian student and Canada has a very similar system to ours for medical school, but it's very hard to get into Canadian medical schools because they don't have a lot of them. And, and she emailed me just kind of out of the blue saying, Hey, I just want to let you know, I was just accepted to two Canadian medical schools. I couldn't have done it without listening to your podcasts. Thank wow. you very much. And so I, I like to think that I'm not practicing medicine anymore, but I have an exponential impact on the future of medicine because I'm helping these students get into medical school. I'm hopefully showing them that collaborating is worthwhile and necessary to be a good physician to that, that teamwork aspect of medical care. And I'm hopefully painting a picture. I, I don't, I, I, I paint a picture of what medicine's like. It's hard. It's not pretty. Um, there are a lot of struggles, but at the end of the day, you get to take care of patients and that's a, a wonderful thing. And painting those pictures and talking about what healthcare is like, I hope will, will lessen physician burnout on the other end because they understand what they're getting into a little bit more than maybe what they thought they knew. What's, so, inter what's yeah. interesting is the, the comment about the exponential effect that you have, because as, as much as people think, well, if you're a doctor, you can really change lives and you do. It's almost, if you can help get more people who really want to have this as their path in life, be successful and learn from you know what, what you went through along the way, I, I just have this feeling that, you know, that's one of those power of podcasting things, like, right? You can touch so many more lives than initially you thought you might be able to when you first got into medicine, which must, must make you feel good. Yeah, it, it is. When I, when I first started, I, I mentioned the, this other site that most students got their information from, and, and most students still do. It gets, I think, over a million page views a month. Um, my, my initial goal was if I could take one student that, went to that site, read the forms and left that site thinking they couldn't be a physician. If I could take that student and show them that they could, it, as long as they, they knew that it probably wasn't going to be as easy as they thought it was, but if this is what they really want, and if I could take that student and get them into medical school and, and get that email that says, I, I did it, um, then I've done my job. And, and maybe that one person is the one that's going to cure cancer or cure diabetes or whatever. So, That's amazing. Uh, how has the reaction been within your family? Because it's easy to tell people at Thanksgiving that, yeah, I'm studying medicine, I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm practicing now. <laughs> but now you've changed and I'm wondering you know, if, if, if there's been any conversations around that topic. <laughs> I think from, from a family perspective, 
they were the easiest to to talk to. I think because they saw my passion for it, they saw the success that the show was having and the the impact that I was having. So I think that was the easy part. The where I got the most pushback and the weirdest looks from were from other physicians. Like uh-huh. what? you're not going to practice anymore? What What do you mean? You're a doctor. You're, that's, this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, maybe not. Yeah. Um, I have this other thing and I'm, I'm doing something different and I'm enjoying it and I'll try it and see what happens. When you think about, and I don't know how much thought you've given to this, but we'll find out soon enough, but your, your legacy, right? Your, what you've thought about when you were younger, you know, and when, and I'm, I'm sure there was a point where you're like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a doctor, right? And that trajectory is slightly changed now because <laughs> I, I don't know if you were thinking, you know, when you were younger, I'm going to grow up and, and I'm going to be on the radio because podcasting <laughs> was probably not a thing then. So do you, do you think about um, where you are on that spectrum of what, you know, what impact you want to have on this world? No. Uh, I I got a glimpse of it recently. I I reached out to the local medical school where I am and said, "Hey, here's who I am. I live in this area now. Do you do you use volunteer admissions committee people so I can take a skill that I use in my own business now, helping students and and help the school and kind of plug into the school." And so I sat down with their dean of admissions a couple times and. Having her, this this person who's the dean of admissions at a, a large medical school, having her tell me that I'm the expert in the field uh, was was flattering and eye-opening. And, and I think that was the first time where I was like, you know what, I am. Uh, I talk to so many different people. Each school has their their experts about that school and what that school wants. But I talk to all the schools and all of the students. And so I think I, I haven't really done much with that knowledge in my head of, of wow, I, I really am the expert. Um, I, I just, I continue to, to put out good content for students and I, I let the ego thing off to the side a little bit, I think. Well, I think one of the ways to combat that is just to keep yourself busy. I find that if you're still, if you continue to be in this mode of producing content or adding value, those things come um, as a result of what you're doing, but it's not something you're focused on, especially as you continue to look for new ways to continue to contribute to your community. Yeah, definitely. What is uh, the one most misunderstood thing about you? About me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, a lot of people think I'm very cocky. Because <laughs> um, you drive uh, around the Camaro. I drive around the Camaro, obviously, <laughs> with, with, with my, with my wife beater on. And your woofer, and your woofer <laughs> blasted. My yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, do have, I do have a mullet. I, maybe I should change that. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know what? I, I don't know... I don't. I, I wouldn't say a lot of people think I'm cocky. I, I think I come off as very intimidating. My wife tells me that I'm very intimidating to a lot of people. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I think it's it's just having confidence in who I am, uh, who I'm supposed to be, um, and I I don't sugarcoat things a lot for a lot of people. And my wife always yells at me for that. And I'm like, it's just this is how I speak. Yeah. Uh, I don't like sugarcoating things. No placebo. No no placebo. (laughs) There you go. Placebos are unethical, which is a different topic for another day. That's another podcast. That's episode number 162. (laughs) Um, Well, it's interesting because that that, that does happen a lot, right? People confuse, you know, confidence with cockiness. And I think when you've gotten to the point where, yeah, I do know what I'm talking about because, yeah, I've been doing this for four years and, yeah, I I do have a degree in this. And, yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of people who talk a lot of crap because they pretend they know and i think when you get to that point you're like you have to you almost have to have the confidence so that you can um tell the straight facts so that people don't go to these other people that are misleading them yeah yeah and i i think again with my presentation of being very straightforward and not sugarcoating i think that adds to some of the, the cockiness that people people sense from me then I'm you, not. I'm not cocky. Yeah. Then they find out you're warm and cuddly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
What's uh what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Ooh. Donald Trump. I really like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Wish uh, we could have ended it right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Uh, I, my, yeah, my mom wants to vote for that guy. And I, I think I'll disown her if, if she does. But um, I, what have I changed my mind about recently? It does not have uh, to be podcast related. You know, you know what? Recently, so, so three months recently, I became a vegan. Um, okay. So yeah, so if you eat meat, you're the devil. And uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I so I, I educate myself out of a lot of things, and I I watched a ton of documentaries about um, diet habits and and kind of our our the way we do um, uh, animal agriculture and farming. And I was like, you know what? If I can help the environment a little bit, if I can help my health a little bit, uh, my wife and I. <laughs> I think both between us, we have four autoimmune diseases. And so I'm like, there's, there's something we're doing wrong here. Uh, obviously somebody's trying to tell us that we're some, we're doing something wrong. So, uh, we cut out gluten a long time ago and, and we've been doing well with that. And then, uh, the, the, the meat was the next thing to go. So yeah, we've been vegan for a while and, and I love it. And I, I don't think I, I cheat like once a month. Maybe we have sushi. We love sushi. Oh, yeah. And oh, so yeah. we, we still do sushi uh, once a month or so. But other than that, yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting because I'm on that path and uh, you know, started by trying to eliminate as much red meat as possible and then eventually move your way down to, I don't know whether you cut out chicken necks or fish, which one's worse. <laughs> yeah, I, they're all equally yeah. bad, right? They all well, have at least the same with the amount fish. of cholesterol. Yeah. And- I think with the fish is just, you know, focus on uh, wild caught at least because the, the farm is horrible. And mm-hmm. so you just try to do the little things, incremental steps. And I think you do have to do it as a household because I can't imagine like a steak eater and a vegan in the same house. Yeah. Yeah. We have a two-year-old daughter that we haven't switched over yet. Obviously, um, she has some health issues too. And so we're just, whatever she'll eat, we feed her. And I think it's a matter of uh, looking for interesting ways to to make your your cuisine or, or your planning like more palatable right because i think people are uh, have this limited view of like oh you're vegan that means you just literally eat like lettuce and carrots and <laughs> do you even cook or you just go out to your yard and munch on the grass yeah so i imagine you've been creative in the ways you, you prepare your meals yeah so we're lucky we have a, a nanny who does our cooking which is awesome uh and so we told her like yeah so we need you to cook vegan now so we got some cookbooks for her and and we still pick our meals and she cooks them and, and they're phenomenal. Like yeah. last night we had vegan lasagna, which is amazing. Vegan gluten-free lasagna. That's it's a, delicious. That, yeah. And you, would, you wouldn't think that was possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We vegan went, tacos with quinoa. It's amazing. Yeah. We went to a, a retreat in Costa Rica and it was a, a week-long yoga retreat, but it was all vegan. And it was just amazing how full we were every single day. And they were just making cashew milk and like this chia seed pudding and just crazy stuff that normally we don't find or take the time to make but when you make it 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 fills you up and it and it tastes really good yeah yeah it's awesome and then when i'm out traveling traveling's hard as a gluten-free vegan yeah so i i frequent chipotle chipotle is (laughs) amazing i i was traveling recently for five days and I eat Chipotle seven times, I think. <laughs> yeah, there was a period when I was, I was doing vegetarian and I was like, Chipotle, Chipotle, Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, I imagine at some point there'll be more options out there, but uh, for now, I think you work with what you got. Yeah, and I, I live in Boulder. I live right outside of Boulder, so there's a bunch of other weirdos like me living in the area. So it's, it's easy around here. I got excited. Uh, there was a, a vegan donut shop that opened up nearby here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I was talking to the girl and she's like, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio stopped by the other day. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I cut out added sugar too, so I, I wouldn't eat that either. I, <laughs> my diet's very hard. Well, I think uh, you, you work with what you have and then over time that you just usually, I mean, once you start the planning and you have the food, then, you know, you'll come to a point where you, you don't know any better or you don't know any different and, and, and you're happy with, what, with the path that you're on. And I, I imagine that your, has your health started to change already? Um, I think so. Yeah. I, I've lost, I, when, when I cut out sugar, I lost like 20 pounds, um, just from cutting out sugar and, and obviously deal. exercising, but, yeah. um, yeah, I, I don't feel as bad after I have meals now. 
uh, I, I was diagnosed with MS a couple of years ago and I went off my medication. And so I'm just trying to do it through lifestyle and, and diet. My physicians don't know I've stopped my medicine yet, but maybe I should tell them that. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, doctor. My wife's a neurologist, so I, I got her kind of blessing. <laughs> the, the okay, the home blessing. Yeah. Well, uh, Ryan, I think uh, we've covered the gamut here on this, <laughs> on this interview. And so I think you don't want to talk about Trump anymore. <laughs> I tried, I literally like, if you put anything related to Trump, um, that's more than just a meme on your, on my Facebook feed, <laughs> you will get blocked because <laughs> I just, uh, I learned m- months ago that you can actually have a decent Facebook feed if you just block the right people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's definitely in full effect, and I just have I I give you one pass on like a stupid post, and then after <laughs> that I'm like ah, no nope, sorry, yeah. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. No, I think I think me. I think uh, listeners know a little bit more about you than they might not have known previously. <laughs> and uh, if you can pull up any high school pictures of you with that mullet, I'd love to put them in the show notes. <laughs> Never had a mullet, thank God. <laughs> I'm actually pretty bald from the military. <laughs> my my hair. Very yeah, that's to. true. That's true. Yeah. But uh, so thanks for taking the time uh, to come on the show. Thank you. Where's the uh, the best place for folks to track you down? Medicalschoolhq.net. And uh, you are going to be at Podcast Movement? I will be. I'm uh, speaking uh, one of the PMX talks on the 6th and then the award ceremony. I'll be there hopefully accepting my award for Top Science and Medicine Podcast. <laughs> Who are you up against? <laughs> Lots of good people. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Well, I think uh, at the end of the day, like all nominees say, it's just an honor to be nominated, right? It is. <laughs> Next year, Hall of Fame. That's what I want. Okay. That's good. You're all you're on. You're Jared, on. are you listening? <laughs> you're on the right path. Yeah. Um, I wish you success, continued success with the show because you're really kicking ass. And um, you're, you know, for the listeners who are just now being introduced, to Ryan. He's a well-respected member of the podcast community and uh, I'm glad I got the ability to chat with you further and hopefully this time in Podcast Movement we can hang out a little bit. Yeah, stop avoiding me. Uh, <laughs> I'm the guy with the orange shirt. I, <laughs> it's hard to miss me. <laughs> yeah, so we will, we will definitely connect. Alright, very cool. Have a fantastic day. Thanks, you too. So how about that conversation with Ryan? He's really... Uh, a quiet guy, and a lot of podcasters talk about being introverted. And he was, he, for the most part, he was that way in person when I recently saw him at uh, Podcast Movement. But what was interesting is that he's got this subtle sense of humor and uh, sometimes this mischievous grin on his face. So it was fu- it was nice to have had interviewed him and then got, getting to hang out with him at Podcast Movement was a blast. Um, as you may have seen in some of my postings on social media, uh, I can't really stop talking about it. What a great time that I had. I was thinking to put together an episode around what I was feeling and that might come out before I, before this one does, but then record it after it in true podcast host uh, style. But I really love the fact that he took his initial interest um, in entrepreneurship, selling JBL speakers and uh, writing programs uh, and is familiar with ICQ and, and and has been through the entrepreneurial ups and downs and has come to realize over time and, and, and through listening to shows like Internet Business Mastery that it's all about collaboration, not competition. And I think that's why he has uh, so many success stories when it comes to uh, what he's doing with his podcast and how, how he's able to build a, a little bit of a uh, pre-med student's HQ, which is fitting given his uh, domain name, and uh, Empire. I hesitate to call it that, but it's it's growing, and I think it just shows that he's on the right path. So uh, I'm happy for him and what he's doing. He's a really nice guy, well deserving of all the success. So if you are new to the show, then you'd probably like to know that we are on the Podcastica Network, and what it is is a collection of shows and friends of mine that cover everything from fan base shows to a meditation podcast to one on um, radio film diaries, radio film schools, radio film school. Can't talk today. Um, and we've also had the, the, the podcast producers, Jessica and Corey, who were very fun to hang out with. So I got to see them. I got to see Jason Kambasi, 
our fearless leader of Podcastica there as well. So um, I think you'll hear me talk about this for, for several weeks, I think, because I'm still buzzing. I'm still on the high. And uh, I think it's really cool that we, we all get together once a year and hopefully more often if I make it to some of the other, other podcasts. Apologies for the sirens in the background. But um, I think it's just interesting to connect and put, you know, I've had faces to names before. Jason and I have, have hung out before, but I think it's interesting to uh, really have a, a, a conversation, a hallway conversation with people who you admire and whose opinions are on podcasts that you trust. So I, tr- I hope that many of you can use that opportunity and do that for yourselves. So we are one away from 100. I can't wait for you to guys, for you guys to hear it. It's going to be absolutely amazing completely off the cuff and uh we talk very little <laughs> about podcasting so um thanks again to ryan for being a good sport i'll let you know the hash retention hashtag in a second um but the, uh, we have a sponsor uh this week's sponsor it's brought to you by cast source and again it's a pod it's a service for podcasters and it's for those that understand the importance of repurposing content and converting your existing audio into a full transcript, which I think is an amazing idea. Go to Transcript. It's a transcription service created for podcasters. It gives you proofread transcriptions, custom formatting suitable for emails and PDFs and for the for your blog. They've got a workflow that works for you. You can if you use Dropbox, Google Drive, whatever it is, they can accommodate it. And 24 to 48 hour turnaround. You really cannot beat that. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash cast source. Music uh, intro and outro was provided by Cedar and Soil. And if you've list- you're listening this far and if you're new to the show, then you're going to appreciate the fact that we have a retention hashtag, which really wants to see if you're paying attention. This week's is hashtag premed Ryan. Premed Ryan, one word. And you can tag myself, podcast underscore junkies, and Ryan at Medical School HQ. Tag us both. Let us know you made it this far. I really appreciate it. I'm extremely happy to get into this uh, centennial home stretch with you guys. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun, and you're going to hear the excitement in my intro next week. Um, I'm just just happy just happy and i'll I'll probably make (laughs) that much longer next week but thanks again for all you do uh thanks again for your help it was amazing to meet some of you guys in person at podcast movement i'm looking forward to doing more of that that you really are my family and to the new folks listening uh, i just know the other people listening can tell you i truly treat every one of my listeners like gold and i always look to grow my listeners and my fans and my family one listener at a time so if you haven't already subscribed to the show please do so and the best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend spread the word because we want to grow this podcast junkies family don't forget to check out pod, uh, podcast junkies junkies the facebook group where i'm recording videos all the time with a little sneak peek about what's going on in my mind take care have a fantastic week 